Hello and welcome to the show Woke Up, where we amplify the voices of those who have left uh, today's critical social justice movement and woke ideology and realize that they were being led to a place that they just did not want to be. And today we have on our show an amazingly gifted young lady who who I just find phenomenal. Like just analyzing our program, we've uh, been live for a month now and I looked online today after a month and we have 208 subscribers and I'm like, yeah, so proud of us. and and. There's something good happening here and, and people are watching the content and they're enjoying the show. And then I met Ashley and she's the, the founder of Freely Ashley, a, a YouTube channel, and she's a social marketer and she's a genius. And I looked at her and she's not even been doing this for a year and she's got over 120,000 subscribers. And uh, she really focused on like leaving the left and why she realized the ideology wasn't really where she wanted to be. And then I started watching her content and I just found myself audibly laughing it's pithy, it's witty, it's logical, and uh, she's a real charmer and a, and a, and a real gift. And, and so I'm real excited that she's here. And uh, oh, I did learn on for YouTube that you can theoretically increase your subscribers like twice as fast by simply asking the viewers to hit subscribe. So my first time asking, would you please hit subscribe and to continue to get the, the content uh, of this show. And so Ashley, welcome to Woke Up. And um, I'm really glad you're here. And and uh, please uh, tell us like what your passion is and what you're doing and and the wonderful things you're, that that your your show is all about and, and your passion for people. Hi, th- well, thank you for that very kind intro. I really appreciate all of that. You know, I I'm really just telling people about my perspective and kind of just pointing out a lot of hypocrisies and contradictions that I see and that I experienced myself in my own ways of thinking when I was kind of entrenched in a lot of this like leftist ideology, kind of woke ideology. And I I think that's just really important um, because there's a lot of people who do really, really great work speaking out against it and kind of, you know, trying to tear it apart, so to speak. But I think I think there's a lot of people that if they perhaps see enough times, you know, how many things that they how many views they might hold simultaneously that are actually actually very contradictive. I think that could actually uh, perhaps bring people to a, a place where they can analyze that for themselves, basically. So that's kind of just my goal. And, you know, it's funny, I'm just now really starting to set up goals for my channel and like my content and trying to kind of shift gears. But pretty much everything is just me turning on a camera and talking to it. You know, um, I didn't really have big plans. I didn't expect uh, my channel to grow so quickly. So it's it's been really amazing to watch, um, albeit a little overwhelming at times. I, I just love uh, the, your facial expressions and the, and the witty things you say, the smart things you say. And uh, so I want to talk a little bit about your past and your pathway, like what led you to where you're at today uh, you're married now and you're a mother and congratulations. And, uh, but you weren't always that way. And so what was your, maybe starting from when you started to think about your worldview, what was your life like and, and, and what moved you and how did you get to where you're at today? Yeah. So, I mean, the beginning of my life was really tumultuous, I would say. And that kind of put me on a path towards a lot of the ideas that really appealed to me. Uh, like for, for for instance, when I was a baby, my biological parents died. 
Uh, and then I was taken in by family members and just adopted into their family. I was treated as their child. And then when I was four, my adoptive dad died. So kind of just right off the bat, it was just a whole lot of bad all at once. And obviously I'm so young, but I think that left a much more lasting impression than, than I used to believe. To me, I kind of like would dissociate from that a little bit just because it did happen at the very beginning of my life. I don't remember my biological parents. I barely remember my adoptive dad. So, you know, I think it's easy to minimize that kind of thing. But I think um, just not having that figure in my life was was a really, it was very impactful. And then um, my adoptive mom, who I just, I just call them my mom and my dad. I didn't know I was adopted till I was 13. But for clarity's sake, it's easier, you know, when, when people don't know me. When, when he died, she basically kind of gave up and really went off the rails she became an addict. And that was really difficult. And it led to a lot of really bad hardships for me. So I wasn't taken care of properly as a child. And that set me up for like a victim mentality as well. And I was kind of surrounded by people who had that also, just everybody who who blamed all of their problems on anything but themselves would never take accountability would never take responsibility. And it was just very much like survival mode all of the time. So when I became a teenager, I just made a lot of really bad decisions. Um, I was really lost and confused. I've been an atheist my entire life. I've, I've never had a point where I did believe in God. And I think, um, you know, for as much as as religion can be used in bad ways, I think just that belief and that uh, faith can be used in positive ways. And I'm still an atheist. I've been kind of questioning my atheism for a few years. And, you know, it's just something that it's hard to believe in something when you've never believed in it. And there's a lot of there's a lot of things like that. But I think um, when I became an adult, I about 19 years old, I just got sick of living the life I had been living. You know, I was I was surrounded by people who were very much, you know, into into drinking, into partying, in, into drugs. And I just wanted to get away from that. And I wanted to distance myself and I wanted to make my life better. And that that I kind of made that that big decision. And that was also when my now husband and I actually got together and started seriously dating. And he really pushed me to to just kind of grow up. Basically, he was like, it's time to get a job. It's time to, you know, take things more seriously than you have been. So I really needed that push, I think. And, you know, it was very much an encouragement of like, I see potential in you. And I want you to see that in yourself as well. And then that just put me on a better track. And we struggled for a long, long time, you know, just uh, nickel and diming it and living paycheck to paycheck and all that stuff. But it was a lot better than how I grew up at the same time. And we kind of worked in this really good partnership as well. And then, you know, I think when I got into politics, it wasn't really a conscious decision. It was just kind of one of those things like I had already had liberal views and left leaning views. And it just kind of kept going. It kept like escalating or expanding, maybe perhaps I should say. Uh, the more ideas that I heard that appealed to me, the more I was like, yeah, like, let's support that. And, you know, a lot of the the socialism type of stuff really, really appealed to me because the promise is that everyone will be taken care of. And that's what I wanted. I wasn't taken care of properly. So I wanted other people to be taken care of. But, you know, when you think about it, when I look back in retrospect now, it's like, who does that? Well, if you don't have 
a, a good parent in your life or you are an adult and you're not supposed to depend on your parent, well, who takes care of you if you're not taking care of yourself? Well, the next step up in authority would be the state, the government. And I think, uh, I think that's just kind of where it led to this idea that instead of people taking care of themselves, that they need to be cared for. And I think that's the biggest flaw is we should be promoting personal responsibility. And it is interesting too, because even in my own life, I was taking on more responsibility and I was trying to do better. And I was trying to, you know, really grow up and and take on this adult role and learn. I had to learn a lot in that process because I wasn't given those skills and I wasn't taught those skills as a, as a kid. So it's just a, a lot of that kind of thing where the more ideas I heard, the more I kind of shifted even farther left. And I was accepting things kind of at face value almost. I feel looking back, like I was pretty naive and I was a vulnerable kid. And I think, uh, I think this ideology really preys on vulnerable people because they're easily, they're more susceptible to believe a lot of the promises. Yeah. Like you, you share about your childhood, but you've also, I've also heard you say about what your day-to-day life was like as a teenager and the, the poverty you had. And, you know, why don't you talk a little bit about like your teenage years and incredible amount of loss you suffered. And then your mom uh, struggling with her addiction. Like what was, what would your day-to-day life look like your diet and uh, your, how you use your life's energy as you know, 17, 18, 19 year old. Yeah. So from, you know, from about, I mean, it really got bad. I would say when I was about 10, that kind of, that was probably like the worst it had been because at that time, a whole bunch of stuff, a whole bunch of bad stuff was happening. Like we lived without heat and hot water for like an entire winter. I struggled to just stay warm. Basically, there's a lot of, a lot of moments throughout the course of my life where we went without food, electricity, you know, just basic necessities at a little somewhere in the age of 10. I think that spring, our house got foreclosed on and Basically, a sheriff showed up at the door. I was actually the one who answered the door you know, half awake. And he said, you need you need to go get whoever is with you. And so I went and I had gotten my older sibling and uh, and they just said, we're, we're moving all your stuff on the curb. Uh, we got we got a truck and we'll take it wherever you want it to go, but can't stay here. So that was a really big shock to everybody except except my parent, like she knew it was coming. She just didn't tell anyone. And so then it became this like fight of like, where are we going to, where are we going to live? Where are we going to stay? Ended up in a hotel for a few years. Um, it was like a really hole in the wall type of place, you know? And I think from about 13 to, I would say like 18, it was just, it was just like that constantly, just chaos, instability, lack of resources. And, you know, my parent would basically claim that, she couldn't work when in reality, she just didn't. She just chose not to. She was just very, very in, ingrained in this, like, I'm, there's something wrong with me. I'm a victim. I've had all these bad things happen to me. But instead of kind of taking charge of her life, she just let it completely destroy her in a sense. And I didn't make a lot of those realizations until I was much, much older. I kind of always gave her the benefit of the doubt and believed her. And she kind of, there is an element of like almost brainwashing in and of that where I just believed she she would lie to me a lot. And so I just believed a lot of that. And, um, you know, I mean, I don't even think I had a bed of my own from about 13 to 18. So like all those years I was like sleeping like on floors or on on a mat or on a, a cot that I could find or, you know, that kind of thing. So it's just this this circle of me trying 
to just kind of get through all of that. And it was very normal to me. It became just so normalized to a point. And so when I became like, I'd say about 15, my mental health was really bad, like really, really, really bad. And I just kind of kept dwindling almost and made a lot of really bad decisions. Like I said, I was like, I was like a party girl. And I kind of relied on those outlets to just help me get through that. And I was just surrounded by other people doing the exact same thing. So it's just all of it didn't seem out of the ordinary, I guess I would say. And I think when I just got sick of that, when I realized like all of the bad decisions I was making, all of the bad people I had surrounded myself with who weren't really friends, who who would, you know, they would they would no sooner steal from you <laughs> and and lie to you just to get what they wanted. And um so so I, I was very much a part of that lifestyle. And yeah, I just I couldn't depend on anybody. I didn't have anyone holding my hand, anyone saying like, everything's going to be okay. We're going to figure it out. I was just left to my own devices. I was left to deal with all of this by myself all of the time. And around the same time or in your childhood, your grandfather passed away as well, right? Yep. Uh, about when I was about eight, he he passed away as well. And there's a lot of other family members too, you know, kind of, kind of farther away, but definitely had an impact of just kind of being surrounded by loss. When I was about I think about 16, one of my good friends died in a, in a car accident as well. And so that's just always been a very normal part of my life, I guess I would say. Like, it's very hard. And I would ha- I would have moments and I still do where I just get, you know, I get really sad. And but I wouldn't really let myself kind of experience that to the to the fullest. Many times it's just kind of like these intense moments of like depression and sadness. And why did this happen to me? And then just kind of like just quickly moving on and just I can't get, you know, dragged down by that. But yeah, I, I think um, it was just one of those things. It's like, well, I've, I've always had people around me passing away or dying. And then I had a lot of family members who abandoned, like basically abandoned me. Like there was a lot of instances where I was blamed as, as a child for things that happened. And a lot of that was taken out on me, which is really interesting when I look back, because I can't imagine blaming like a 13 year old for for some of the stuff that I got blamed for or a 15 year old or, or what have you. But it was basically like I had I had grandparents who would write me off and just not never talk to me again, basically, like my grandfather did because of the way I looked, because I had piercing alternative ways of dressing and stuff like that. And I tried to make amends with with some of these people. It just didn't really work out, you know. So a lot of that, like when I became an adult was just kind of trying to deal with all of that, I guess, like trying to deal with like these really intense, like loss and abandonment and feeling like there was nobody I could trust or depend on. Yeah, I want to talk more about the things you were going through. But I, I but before we do that, I'd like you to share with our audience what happened. I mean, you, you moved into the leftist ideology. You described yourself as uh, definitely on the woke side looking for this utopia. However, now you've, uh, you, you realize that's not where you want to be and that's not where you've landed. And so like, what was the process for you to realize that, that this is not the future for me or my family or where I want to go? And so, and where are you at today? And maybe talk a little bit about that journey of uh, thought conversion that you've had. Yeah, it was a long road. It was a lot of, you know, mostly my husband, but other people too, um, kind of challenging my beliefs and pointing out the contradictions within them. And it wasn't like hostile or aggressive by any means. It was just like, you know, I want to have a conversation about this. And then they would just bring up really good points. 
And I got to a point where I was like, man, like I keep getting proven wrong, but I would kind of like react out of anger. It was like, if I was proven wrong or my positions were criticized, it felt like it was a direct criticism of me because I was just very emotionally attached to all of these ideas. And I feel like you hear so many, you hear so much talk about like, you know, people on the left claim that anyone basically who doesn't agree with the things that they're promoting are bad people. And that really that's repeated so many times. You just believe it. You don't think that somebody who is religious could be a good person, which is, which is really interesting. And I was like a militant atheist too. So I was very hostile towards like religion and religious people, which makes me sad now because it's just, it's not productive whatsoever. And there, there was no reason for it. Like it didn't hurt, like religion never hurt me because I never had it. So it was interesting contradiction there, but you know, I think that was just the the biggest thing was just being being kind of called out, but not in such a hostile way that I was unable to even acknowledge it or or I just wrote it off. But it didn't happen overnight. It was just repeatedly having these conversations. And then, you know, my husband and I sat down and we started uh, watching content uh, of just different creators from conservative to like libertarian to like more philosophy and stuff like that. And that really got me thinking. And a lot of people brought up a lot of really good points. And that led me to doing more research and really looking into their claims and analyzing my own claims and the things that I had been hearing and then just kind of repeating almost in a sense. And then this process, like, then I started, uh, I actually went way out of my comfort zone. And I started listening to this kind of content, like just content I disagreed with on purpose. And I did that over and over and over. Like there's a lot of people who, you know, at one point I could not stand, but I forced myself to listen because I felt it was important to understand what they believed in. And then over time, it just, it just got like, okay, like there's not really a reason for me to, to be this hostile towards a different set of views and people are bringing up good points. And the more research that I did, the more I was willing to really analyze my thinking and how I got there. And then basically going issue by issue, I just started changing my mind on a lot of different things. And I think that in entirety, the process took from about 2016 to 2019 is when I was like, okay, I can't really be associated with with the left anymore. And I felt very politically homeless. And I, I wasn't sure what to call myself. I wasn't even sure what I was or where my views aligned best. And I think that's actually a problem is like some people kind of view these political factions as like almost like their identity when in reality about a year after that so somewhere in 2020 I kind of just realized like my views are aligning more with conservatives than anybody else and who who, who are some of those uh, indirect mentors that were were challenging your your thought process it it sounds like they weren't in your life personally like on a day-to-day basis but you were listening to their thought and the things that they were teaching who are some of those people and like what was being confronted in your own mind about the way you had conditioned your mind prior and what was it about what they were saying that really impacted you yeah so it was um it was a lot of like just like political figures or like kind of commentary people Uh, dave rubin was a really big one Um, i really i listened to a lot of like tim pool which is like more new stuff but just kind of from a different uh lens and um you know more independent journalism and then i really got into like the ben shapiro stephen crowder which I couldn't, I could not stand uh, the, these types of people for a very long time. It was like, it was rough uh, forcing myself to watch them. Candace Owens was another big one. 
And then I kind of found like just more YouTubers like Sydney Watson was was a really big person. Like I think in, I found her around 2019 and that kind of ha- really helped me. I don't know, just give me a little bit of peace of like, OK, I'm not insane. This like I, I'm seeing other people are seeing the same things that I'm seeing because she talks a lot about that kind of stuff. She's not inherently conservative, but she's right-leaning. So a lot of those types of people. And then Jordan Peterson, I think, was one of the biggest influences of my mindset and kind of getting out of victim mentality. He also really helped broaden my view of religion and the good that it can do. And it's more like, you know, he 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 analyzes like biblical stories in a much more logical sense that I can understand a lot more. And he's not even really preaching about like, oh, you have to believe in this in in entirety. He's saying this is the value within that. I think that's really um, impactful. And so there's a lot of people like that. And then I eventually found like Thomas Sowell. And I think all of these, um, these intellectuals and kind of uh, commentators and stuff just really helped bring a more well-rounded point of view. Yeah. As we look at this uh, woke ideology and it's you know, when, when you see it for what it is, it's all the same. It is like what Marx says in the very first sentence of the Communist Manifesto, the history of the world hitherto now is the same. A plebe against patron, lord against serf, the bourgeois and proletariat, in a word, oppressor and oppressed. And so we see this mindset playing out like of just causing division and adding to people's pain and trauma and hurt and saying, oh, the for the feminists, oh, all of your problems are due to the evil patriarchy. They are oppressing you. And look at the condition of your life as a result of the patriarchy. Or all black people, it's because of the systemic racism. And you're a victim of the, of the whites or the, or the queer. Oh, you know, it's the cisgender uh, that are causing these problems. And, and so it's all the same stoking of division and hate and, and developing a victim mentality. You come with a different message of not allowing yourself to sit in that victim mindset. And so like those of you that are listening to this show, I really want you to grab this point because life is hard and things happen and trauma happens and tragedy happens and suffering is real. It's part of this world, but, and it's good to come in contact and and understand your trauma for what it is, but we must move on. You must move on and not sit in it. And so I'd like you to talk about that mindset that's so prevalent in the woke mentality of power dynamics and the oppressor and the oppressed and why that is such a cancer to the soul and how you, and how you see yourself now versus where you the trajectory you were your first 20 some years of your life. Yeah, I think um I think one of the biggest realizations that I had was that a victim mentality will never hurt or it will never help you. It will only ever hurt you. So when I analyzed my life, like had my remaining parent just tried her best to kind of get through her grief and not live within it and not constantly use it as an excuse to then make bad decisions, had she stepped up and made better decisions and realized like I have I have children that I need to care for and I need to do the best for them. And right now, like need to keep moving forward. My life would have been a lot better, but unfortunately because she lived in this victim mentality for so long and she still does to this day, I've tried to help her. It just didn't go well. You know, she just continued to make her own life worse and worse and worse. I think that's the biggest thing is when, when you are entrenched in this idea that nothing is ever your fault and you are just these circumstances 
of, you know, all of these circumstances are just happening around you and you're just the victim of that, then you also completely remove your own power to change it. Because if if you get into this nihilistic point of view that nothing will ever get better, I'll never be able to change anything, I'll never be able to have an impact, I'll never be able to rise above this, then that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because you never will because you're mm. not giving yourself even the, the chance or the self-encouragement in order to do that. And I think especially when you have no one else to rely on, the only person that's consistent in that is yourself. And I think that was a a big breakthrough that I had. And I've had moments in my adulthood where I've kind of slipped back into the victim mentality. I've, I've been through depression, you know, I have anxiety. And every single day, I'm working to reduce that and pinpoint what exactly is causing that and how to get over that. And I think that's the one of the best things you can do is just be very self aware and analyze yourself. Yeah, I'll just share briefly from my life. I grew up in a home that was broken and my dad drank too much and there was violence and he was a police officer and I was the oldest son and he was a young man when I was born. He was 16 when he got my mom pregnant and his mom signed off for him to go to the military at 17. And, you know, my childhood was, uh, you know, I had some issues and, uh, and then I found myself as a younger man, I started to get married. I got married and had four children. And then just like anybody, it's life trying to get in touch with where am I going and who am I and how can I be a good dad and a good husband? I started to go to therapy. I was probably in my early thirties and, uh, I noticed in the therapy sessions, the first, you know, like any therapy, they start out like, who are you? What, what was your childhood like? And, you know, then the target becomes mom and dad. And and just, and I understand that to get a baseline on who the person is and who they're dealing with. And so I found myself paying this guy a buck and a quarter a session. And I just found myself the first six weeks just pounding my dad, just like, and he did this and that and this and that. And and crying in the in the in the in the therapy sessions and I did this six times and I realized you know what where am I going with this I'm I'm you know there's something new in my life I'm I have a, have a different worldview I have a wife I have children I've, I, at that time I had a, a, a good job that had a lot of potential and I'm going to sit in this and my dad's now retired and he's in Phoenix and you know he was dealing with his own issues and uh you know he probably doesn't remember half these things that are like plaguing me and it's holding me back and I realized you know what I need something better for myself than 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 this it's good to come to terms with it and realize that the indicators that that help form us and the traumas that we have and the pain that we suffer but then I remember my dad came and visited and I looked my dad in the eye and I said to him dad I just want you to know one thing he's like yeah yeah what's that and I and he's a tough guy he's a ex-military, ex-police officer. And I said, I forgive you. And he looks at me and he says, for what? Like, for what? What did I ever do? And I just looked at him and I said two words to my father. I said, for everything. And I did not have to go through a list of this and this and this with mom and this with this and this. I don't even want to give it credit right now. I chose to forgive him. And in my case, I have a Christian worldview and I realized that, that God loves me. He accepted me and he's forgiven me for all my sins. And out of love and appreciation for God, we forgive one another. And I just said those two words for everything. And my dad, you know, it was just a divine moment. He just started to weep and he didn't need to be shamed. And I, I gave him a hug. And at that moment, there's something like divine happened and I was free. I was free. And I think he was free too. And I've never looked back. I'm 58 now and another generation has passed. And I still love my dad. If I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be on this planet without him. I don't have one. I think about him in my childhood, all this things in my gut and my stomach rise up and I'm bitter and angry and I've truly been set free and I don't have daddy issues. And so I think there's something in that of coming to terms with it, but not living in it. And I think for therapists to, to, 
feed that with people and to encourage, especially with the woke therapists and the woke mindset is just not doing patients any good. We must go forward. God has great things for us. And I look at your life. I mean, the impact, Ashley, that you're having right now throughout the world with, with your podcast and your, your YouTube channel and your social media, you're helping so many people. It's interesting because when I kind of, when I look around and I see all these people who are demanding that, that others tiptoe around them, that they take their, their emotional triggers into account constantly, that any type of, you know, thing that might make them uncomfortable, uh, essentially they just, they just can't handle it. it those are bad indicators. Those are indicators that you are not able to cope and you're, you don't have healthy coping mechanisms and you don't have a strategy and you're not kind of just self-limiting. Like, I just can't handle this topic right now. I'm, I'm going to go listen to something else. I can't handle, you know, certain situations. So I'm going to do my best to work towards being able to handle them while giving myself a little bit of room and grace and all of that. And, um, you know, I, and I've been through this, I've been through this a couple times in my life where I, I did demand that people kind of tiptoe around me, but that doesn't create any type of, of good situation for anyone. And you can't, you can't bubble wrap the world, you know? And I think that when I go on TikTok and I see a lot of these people talking about these mental illnesses, especially, and kind of putting that in their bios as like some type of label or some type of personality trait almost, it's very alarming because it just indicates that people are not wanting to actually overcome these things. They think that they are subjected to them forever. And, you know, there are things that you can't just cure or, you know, I don't actually think it's beneficial to just throw medication at people on a whim. I think that should just be like a last resort option for a limited time if that's possible. There's some stuff that's just so severe, you know, obviously. Yeah. But there's a lot of things like depression. Everybody goes through a period of depression. And, you know, being somebody who has been through it so many times in my life and has experienced that to a very high degree, there, there's no, th the idea that, oh, you just, you know, can think yourself out of it. Well, you can, it's not easy. You have to change your patterns. You have to change your lifestyle. You have to challenge yourself. You have to push yourself constantly. You have to come to grips with the things that are causing it. You have to find coping mechanisms. And I think that's just something that people just don't want to hear. And instead they're just living within that. And they're miserable. And I don't want people to be miserable. I want people to see that there are so many things that you can change that will contribute to a healthier lifestyle. And it's also something that I'm, I'm still learning and I'm still developing. And I think that when you come from a really rough upbringing, it's very important to kind of take a look back, see how that all occurred, and then make a plan for moving forward. And I think yes. people are forgetting people are forgetting the moving forward aspect. That is so good. I agree with that. When you look at therapy and the successes of it, by far, overwhelmingly, the most successful type of therapy is the cognitive behavioral therapy, more so than talk therapy or antidepressants or SSRIs or EMDR or, or any of those treatments. It's, it's exposure to that which is triggering. For instance, somebody who has OCD, overwhelmingly, the best way to break that, if if you have to wash your hands all the time is to slowly but gently introduce the person to the germs or, or for instance, get them to the point where they can actually put their hands on a toilet seat and stay there without freaking out. And over time, it, it seems like our brain gets rewired. And so this idea of safe spaces and warnings of trigger and all that, it's like, you know, human beings are resilient. Look at the, what you shared with us about the childhood that you had and that you even then as a, as a, a young girl, as a child, as, a, as an innocent one, 
you had the uh, ability in your brain to cope and, uh, and, uh, and uh, not be totally overwhelmed, even though it affected you. Uh, we are, we are very resilient as human beings. And so this idea of uh, sitting in our, our mental health and our trigger warnings and safe spaces is not good for our, our, our human development. It's good to be aware of it, but I think exposure and having our thoughts challenged. And I think like this woke mindset, you know, how many woke people decided, oh, I'm going to cut off all conservatives out of my life or anybody who doesn't uh, encourage what my, my worldview is and my thought, my thought about myself. I, I want nothing to do with these people. Well, you know, that's not real. That's not humanity. That's not the way the life, our, our lives work. And so we, we need viewpoint diversity. I think it's good for us to be more well-rounded. We need logic. We need to be exposed to different things. And this overemphasis on almost like a, a pride and a security in the fact that I have a mental health problem. It's kind of like that, that seems to be prevalent in the woke mindset. It's my identity is tied into my therapy and my, and my, my mental health. And I feel like that's pretty destructive and, and pretty unhealthy. You know, I don't know if you had any comments along those lines, but those are just some of the things that I'm thinking of as, as, as we're sharing here. No, just that, uh, any of your thoughts about this idea of not only the victim, victim mentality, but the concept that uh, the woke mindset often prides itself on their own mental health and being, being sick mentally. And it's almost like a status, the, the more comorbidities mentally, it's like a, a good thing almost. And I feel like that's pretty dysfunctional. It's very dysfunctional. And I think I think it really keeps people down. It keeps people from achieving better things. It keeps people from improving their lives. And, you know, there, there's a lot of, of things that I see where I'm like, man, this, this feels nefarious. This feels like you, you know, this ideology wants people to believe that they are so incapable of making positive changes and that they're just subject to live within this forever. And then people do. And people, you know, I've known a lot of people throughout my life that struggle with mental health issues. And I have struggled with it on and off for a very long time. Like, and just, just when it comes to like, depression and anxiety and PTSD. And I see people now who seem to be almost mimicking that, like, they don't necessarily have it, or they're, the way they describe it is just not quite on track, it seems. And it's, it's very frustrating, because it's like, when, when you're going through these things, and it's real, it's very difficult to get out of that. And I, I've been very proud of myself for just trying to, to think my way out of these things to, to change my ways of viewing the world and my life, especially because, you know, I, I had a lot of anger for a really long time. And it has only been since I, you know, I did go to therapy. I went to therapy for years and that therapist didn't just sit and listen and go, yes, yes, yes. You're, you're very valid. She would say, she would encourage me and say, look, like don't minimize what you've been through, accept it, you know, acknowledge it, but we have to figure out a, be a better way for you to, to think about things and for you to kind of view that. And it's important that you feel your feelings, obviously, but at the same time, you can't let that limit yourself. And so she would challenge me and she would point out when, you know, I was blaming something on a past thing or, or perhaps, you know, when I was describing an incident, it's like, okay, well, were you very, were you so innocent in this incident or did you at contribute to a bad outcome of, of some kind? And I think that's really important. 
And now I, I just see people who think that therapy is just going and talking to somebody, telling them all your feelings and them basically not really helping you at all. Like it's just somebody to vent to essentially. It's like, that's not what therapy is supposed to be. In my opinion, it's not how I've ever, you know, experienced it. And it took me a while to find somebody who I could talk to and feel comfortable with and, and felt like was genuinely helping me that not every, not everyone is a, is a good one. So yeah. Who wants to sit in mental health problems, you know, depression and, and OCD and, you know, PTSD, it's, it's like, come to terms with it and move on the best you can. I'm not saying diminish it or ignore it or mind over matter. I'm saying own it. Now what? Okay. Now what? Life is hard. Where am I going? And how am I, how is this problem in my life going to be transform my life and how am I going to overcome? And I think there's a, uh, too much of this um, on the left, especially among the woke of sit in it and be a victim. And so anyway, uh, th that's just one of the things I, I, I've listened to a guy who's, uh, has schizophrenia and he was woke and he's left and, and, uh, he still struggles with it. And he said, I'm telling you, I have schizophrenia and my mom is struggling with mental health problems. And I wanted to be woke, but I realized, you know, people are just glorifying this and schizophrenia is not fun. It's not something to be glorified in mental health. When I see my mom, curled up in the bathroom is not fun, you know? And so, I mean, th th these are things that, that are real. They plague our society, but, but how do we help people uh, truly help? And so I, I like what you're doing. And, and so I was wondering like, what, what are your passions now? Like where, where, where do you see yourself? I mean, I, I know you're overwhelmed and you're hated and you get hate mail and, you know, people, you know, and like, how do you cope with that? And like, what, what do you think is going on in your life? Because you've come from nowhere and a, a really tough life, but now you've got, you, you've got some sort of celebrity and you've got people from all over the world contacting you. How, how do you cope with all that? And where do you think you're being used and where do you see you want to go? Or are you just too overwhelmed right now to just taking it all in? You know, it, it's, it's all kind of a one thing at a time situation. Like there was definitely a lot of moments where I was like very overwhelmed and very like I had to take a step back essentially because you know I just started kind of talking about all this stuff uh in April of 2022 so it's all very very new and then I didn't move to to YouTube until August and you know before that I felt very isolated and alone and I felt like I couldn't speak on really any issues because I didn't I didn't want people to find out oh my god she's conservative like it was one of those things it's like I changed my view on so many so many issues and I was absolutely terrified because I knew what would happen because I knew the hostility I would get the vitriol I knew people would see me as a bad person and that's very frustrating because I think that's what keeps a lot of people silent you know when you're when you're not a bad person well you don't want to you know, be be put in this light and taken out of context and kind of, um, you know, viewed in this in this really horrible way. But at some point, I just got so tired of being quiet. And so I started making content and I started speaking my mind. And it was just kind of one of those things. It's like, I just had to keep keep doing it. And then I started to get really comfortable. And it's like, you know, people complain about TikTok a lot, right? And valid. <laughs> um, but it gave me a place. And that's all I wanted. I just wanted a place to, to talk about things. And then the only reason I even started my YouTube was because I had a friend of mine who kept pushing me to said, 
look, you're doing really good well on TikTok. You need to go to YouTube. You, more people need to hear what you have to say. And so when I did that, I was just shocked. I was overwhelmed. I didn't think I could, I would be duplicating what had happened on TikTok. TikTok, it's very easy to, to grow really quickly on there. You know, you just have one good video and boom. But on YouTube, it's a completely different beast, so to speak. So it's very surprising and I think, you know, a lot of people kind of chalk it up to like, oh, it's just the internet. It's just people online. But but that's a lot of people to all flock to at once and be listening and have millions of views is to go from like not feeling like you could ever talk to, to being so, so listened to, I guess I would say, or just so many people hearing what I have to say. That's That's a lot. So it's one of those things where I just have to kind of, I have to just kind of keep pushing forward. I have to not, not listen so much that, that it's at my detriment. Like I go through my comments, I read my comments um, on, on newer videos and then I move along and then I don't spend a lot of time kind of, well, what, what do people have to think about me? What do they have to say? And I don't really, I don't really care in the sense of like, that's not going to stop me. And I think, I think it's really best that to keep my myself focused and just kind of moving forward because it's a very much a thing. Like there's always going to people be people who hate you. There's always going to be people who intentionally try to kind of manipulate what, what you're saying to put you in a bad light and you have to just drown it out. You have to just ignore it and move forward. And I've gotten, you know, I I used to stitch a lot of videos like on TikTok, for instance. And I just stopped doing that. I stopped responding to so many comments because it was creating arguments. I was like, no, I just want to say what I have to say. I just want to put my ideas out there, put my thoughts out there. I don't want to necessarily argue. And that's something that I have to kind of stop myself from occasionally if I see a comment. I'm like, do I really need to respond to this? Do I really need to put put, you know, more thoughts in here or can I just leave it be? And usually I just leave. And I think that's important too. You know, I don't know. A lot of people think that they want to blow up online, but when it happens and when you don't expect it, it's like, it's just something that you can't really imagine. And I get tons of messages, the majority overwhelming support. And I can't be thankful enough for that. I'm very grateful for the people who, who find value and it resonates with them. And then there's a lot of very harsh, horrible, nasty uh, messages and, and things that people it seems like you have a really good balance there and able to separate what you know using your voice and you have a powerful voice and then not letting the naysayers get in your way and so you're now you're married and you have children and so i, I just want to ask like you didn't have a lot of you know you didn't have fatherly role models and it seems like your adopted mom struggled and now you've got this beautiful family and and i just feel like the love you have for your husband and the respect i've heard you talk about him before and your children what are the things that you're doing uh, practically to to make sure that all those trauma things are, you know, cut off in your generation and your kids have a much better life? What, how, and how are you able to juggle your commitment to your husband, your your marriage and motherhood with this uh, celebrity status? I, how do you how do you do that? And what are the, some of the things you're mindful for practically in order to like what are your family goals and, and how, how are you able to maintain that that professional uh, yet family uh, balance? First off, I don't I don't think I have a celebrity status in any sense of the word. I think that I've gained uh, traction and I think that I've caught the eye of quite a few people, you know, uh, people who I find to be like, you know, inspirational and role models. And that's that's the biggest compliment. But I think 
I think I think I do a pretty decent job. Like I'm very committed to making sure that anything I'm doing is not negatively impacting my kids. I'm constantly trying to make sure like, am I, you know, am I spending too much time on my phone? Am I spending too much time on social media? Am I doing this? Am I doing that? I try to, to just be very aware of that. I actually do have a, a freelance job as well. So this isn't the only thing I do. I have like an actual, an actual job that, that I, that I put in work at and uh, just do whenever I can. So it's, it's been a lot for me is like, you know, at one point I had two freelance jobs and I started my YouTube channel and I was doing TikTok and I was present on all my social medias. And, but I just don't let it interfere with, with my kid's life, you know, and I try very hard to make sure like we're going outside and we're, and I'm, and I'm really connecting with them. And I think that's really important. And some days are better than others. Some weeks are better than others, but it's just one of those things. Like I, I'm just really focused on making sure that my kids never, never have to go through what I went through, that I'm instilling in them the best values that I can, that I'm making sure I'm supporting them in the best ways. And I think it's it's paying off really well. And, um, you know, this is this is a wonderful thing to do, right? But it's not, it's something that you can put down and come back to. I can't do that with my children. Like, this is the yeah. only time in their life they'll ever be this age. These are the only times that I'm seeing them learning things in the way that they are. And I'm trying to hold on to that. I think like, too, like, they're about to be three soon. And I feel like that three years has just flown by. And so it's just making me more aware of like, okay, make every day count, make every minute count. And, um, and yeah, and I think um, even when I was younger, I would look at kind of what was happening. And I would like promise myself, I'm never going to let this happen to my kids. I'm never, they're never going to go through this. I'm going to make sure that I don't allow it. And so, you know, that's just my focus. Oh, that's wonderful. And, and uh, your channels and your social media is freely Ashley. She's very easy to find. And I just love your heart and the things you're doing. And I want to give you the last word. And I would like you to speak directly to people that are young, that are considering the ideology of leftism and in particular, critical social justice and wokeism to maybe just put a stop in their mind before they give themselves to this ideology or those that are stuck in it that really see the world through the lens of, of power and oppressor and oppressed and they look at, interpret everything through that lens. Those two per- people in particular, what, what would you say to them in a way that uh, helps them to avoid some of the pitfalls that uh, that you fell into and then that so many in our country, especially in the university system, and a lot of young people have fallen into. What what, what would be your word of exhortation? Hmm, That's a big one. I think the biggest thing is acknowledging that you could be wrong. I think that's something that people are afraid of almost that this idea that, you know, we've kind of created almost like an internet culture, especially where if you're wrong, people tend to get like humiliated instead of humbled. And I think it's really important to keep that humility intact. And also, you know, I, I see a lot of people that kind of twist statistical and and data and stuff like that in a in a way that supports their point of view while ignoring the parts of it that doesn't. So I would I would just kind of I guess a, a word of caution towards you know studies. All of them have limitations. All of them are flawed in one way or another. Whether it's like sample size or the way that the study was conducted or you know quantitative versus qualitative. And I think uh, I think it's really important to remember that correlation doesn't equal causation. You know, just because you see some type of inconsistency or inequality doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's there through uh, nefarious means or it's a sign of any type of like discrimination or, or something like that. There's just natural inequalities in the world that occur. Um, and if you can find the root cause of that, 
that's much more important than just stating it exists. And and something like an example I'm thinking of is like the gender pay gap is a really big one to bring up. But but the reason for that is not due to like inherent sexism or discrimination against women. It's natural differences between uh, men and women. So I think a lot of that stuff just gets kind of twisted and contorted. And if you can just expose yourself to other points of view and consider them genuinely, don't just automatically assume this is coming from a place of hatred from that other person. Genuinely listen, genuinely try to figure out where they're coming from because I guarantee you that we both care about people we just see solutions to the same problem in much different ways. Oh, that's excellent. Well, Ashley, I, I really appreciate you taking the time today and thank you so much for coming on the show and may God continue to bless you and give you clarity and direction as you continue to step out and help so many people uh, throughout the world. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me.